Prepare to Attack is a collaboration between Mash Those Buttons, Wawa's Bootcamp, and Mayhem.gg. Visit MashThoseButtons.com to learn more about our shows. Visit Wawa's Bootcamp on Discord to get coaching on your favorite Overwatch characters. Visit Mayhem.gg for live coaching streams and VODs. Hello and welcome to Prepare to Attack, a podcast series that aims to improve your understanding of Overwatch and its characters. This episode's hero is Zenyatta. I am Jared, also known as Ja, and I'm here with Wawa's Bootcamp coach, Fu. Hello, I am Fu, and I am going to be teaching you all about my favorite character, Zenyatta, today. All right, great. Uh, so let's let's get right into what Zenyatta is. We'll do a basic overview of the character. Zenyatta is a healer, obviously. His primary weapon is the Orb of Destruction. He has a secondary function on that weapon called Orb Volley, which he can shoot multiple orbs at you at the same time. One of his primary abilities is Orb of Harmony, which allows you to heal allies, while his other ability is Orb of Discord that allows you to damage enemies a bit more by 30% actually it increases their damage uh, the damage taken by 30%. His ultimate is transcendence which allows him to heal allies within a 10 meter radius very quickly and we're going to get much deeper into all of those subjects but before we do that Fu why don't you tell the audience what the goals of playing Zenyatta are? I would love to. So as a healer uh, that is a Buddhist monk it is important to, to realize that very obviously his primary goals are going to be dealing damage. The number one goal for Zenyatta's kit is using Discord Orb properly. It is, in my opinion, the second best ability in the entire game because it will allow your team to do way more damage just by itself than any individual hero will deal. Uh, the number two goal is going to be using your primary weapon properly because it can fire for a very long time and has remarkably high damage per second. Number three goal is going to be using transcendence properly. It takes a long time to charge, but it is one of the most powerful ultimates in the game and one of very few defensive ultimates in the game. And finally, we have harmony orb, which is a lower priority, but is still very important to be using correctly. But it does have less healing than any other healer's primary healing ability. All right, great. Well, let's hop into his primary weapon, the Orb of Destruction. What can you tell us about that? All right, well, it is a projectile weapon that fires orbs at about an average speed, and you will be dealing 46 damage per orb. However, if you have Discord Orb on your target, which you usually will, it will be 60 damage per orb. He fires very quickly and for a long time with 2.5 shots per second over 20 orbs, which is eight continual seconds of firing with a two second reload time, which is about 0.5 seconds over the normal 1.5 second reload speed. Now for some tips on how to use it. First, let's talk about how you will actually be aiming Zenyatta's primary for fire. Uh, it is important that you are making sure that you are left clicking once per shot. I cannot emphasize that enough because it fires so fast and for so long, people tend to get lazy and just hold down the mouse button or just click it 
repeatedly. But what that'll do is it'll throw off the timing you innately have in your muscle memory between actually flicking and aiming the orbs to when it actually happens. So you need to be making sure that you are consciously aiming each shot, you're not getting lazy with it, and you are clicking once per shot so that you're flicking and tracking is in sync. You, If you make that change, I promise you, you will notice a big difference. If you're shooting like a Rhine Shield or Winston Bubble, something you cannot pop possibly miss, it's fine to hold it down. Just be careful that doesn't become your normal muscle memory. And as I said before, you shoot for so long and so quickly that it is very important that you just always be shooting. You're not McCree that has to pick shots carefully because every single shot can almost instantly kill someone and you can only shoot for three seconds. Zenyatta can be shooting for eight consecutive seconds with a not very punishing reload time. So if there's anything at all you can be shooting that's at all worth shooting, you basically should be shooting it. Just like you're playing Contra, always be shooting. That includes Winston Bubbles, especially, Reinhardt Shields, Orissa Barriers, Torb Turret, anything that is at all worth shooting is something you should be shooting if you don't have a better target. The only things that you don't really want to be targeting are Maywall, Symmetra's Barrier, and Zarya's Bubble if it won't be, if you won't be able to kill your target through it. Next, it's important to note that Zenyatta has a certain number of orbs to kill on each target. If you know this by heart, it will allow you to be much more effective at dispatching them because you know when you need one more orb to kill and you know if you can quick melee them. And you can know if you aim for a headshot for that high risk play, if it will be able to instantly kill them or if it will just damage them enough. So if you're fighting a tracer and you know she's taken just a little bit of damage, you know you can headshot her and instantly kill her because it only takes two orbs and one quick melee to kill her. So if she has full health and you land that uh, orb on her head and then you wait to react to it, recognizing I headshot her, she'll probably react and be able to recall out. However, if you just innately know that a headshot and a quick melee will take her down, she will not have that time to react. And of course, this is all with discord orb on your target. For a 200 HP hero that you will more commonly be shooting at, it will be three orbs in a quick melee with, of course, a headshot counting as two. Four otherwise. So if you just land two headshots, that is enough to kill any 200 HP hero. And if you land a headshot and a body shot, you will be able to quick melee. That allows you to know, okay, I landed a headshot on this Genji with Discord on him. So all I have to do is land one body shot and then just go instantly into a quick melee and he will die. Knowing that can be very important. For a 250 HP hero, this is a, a much rarer situation, but there is no trick with quick melee. You will need nothing but orbs. There's never a time where you could quick melee them instead of orbing them. If you are familiar with the amount of orbs it takes to kill any given flanker, it will significantly assist you in being able to kill them efficiently before, because every second is absolutely crucial when fighting them. All right, great. Well, let's slide right on to, into the orb volley, which is Zenyatta's secondary fire. All right. Well, as you said earlier, he charges up orbs over time and then fires them out all at once. It will deal the same damage as Zenyana's primary fire, and it will cap out at 230 max damage, not counting discord orb. It takes you fire uh, either between one or five orbs, and it takes 1.1 second to charge the first one and fire it before you can action again or four seconds if you charge all five. So it is definitely not efficient when you are just kind of charge, release, charge, release, but it can be a good way to store up a bunch of orbs and then unleash it over a period of time. However, it's important. Now moving on to some tips of how to use it to recognize that it is not a good damage per second option. It has half 
of the damage per second that you could be accessing if you are left clicking. This means you will primarily be using it as a poke ability where burst damage is going to be more valuable than consistent damage output, especially if they don't have a Reinhardt. It's also very safe. So if you can hide behind a wall, charge up for uh, five orbs, pop out for just one second and then unleash it, uh, you will occasionally get a pick, you will get some nice alt charge and you will stay safe because if you're just sitting out there left clicking, the enemy poke has a chance of being able to take you out, which you absolutely do not want. Well, you can do something similar in the middle of a fight where you're hiding and then popping out and launching alt fire. You have to be careful of something I call getting caught with your balls out. Getting caught with your balls out means you are charging alternate fire and then you suddenly need to place Harmony Orb or you suddenly need to uh, place Discord Orb or perhaps both. When you're charging alt fire, you can't do that. The only way you can do that is if you either unleash your volley or cancel it with a quick melee and then you still have to wait for a brief period before you can place it. This can get your teammates killed and this can make it take longer to actually kill an enemy because your Discord Orb will generally be dealing a lot more damage per second than you charge up some orbs. However, it's not always useless in a fight, and you can definitely use it to your advantage if you can't see an enemy, but you know you will soon. So let's say there's a tracer that's trying to kill you, and you should be hugging corners. So she attacks you, you discord her, run around a corner. You can see her through the wall, you can charge up alt fire, and then as she comes around the corner, you can have the alt charge ready to fire. This is especially effective against someone a bit less mobile than Tracer, but that's the most common example. Uh, this also works in reverse, where if someone is running around a corner and you're chasing them, you can do the same thing. Or just any time where you cannot see any enemy worth shooting, but you know you will in the next, you know, two to four seconds. That's a good time to charge alt fire in the middle of a fight. However, if you're not sure, I recommend just not doing it at all because you generally want to keep your options open and you will have more versatility if you just have your left click because I know it feels so good whenever you land that full charge alt fire that instantly kills someone because it can do that however that does not mean actually more effective. The game gives you a lot of positive feedback for it that doesn't really give you for left click but if you look at the numbers and if you play it out and analyze gameplay like I have done so much left click is generally just superior in a fight because it's more versatile it's more damage per second and it just will help your team win fights more. So lastly, if you do get caught with your balls out and you have to cancel your quick melee, if you have three orbs or fewer, it is always better to just unleash it and then wait for that cooldown to be up and then place your orbs. However, you're at four to five and there's nothing you can hit with those orbs or you need it as soon as possible. It will be faster to just cancel it with a quick melee uh, and then try to press place your harmony or discord orb. All right. Well, that's pretty clear cut. Let's, why don't we just get into his abilities at this point? Let's talk Orb of Discord. Absolutely. So Discord Orb is one of the best abilities in the game, which is why it's mind-blowing that it used to deal 50% increased damage for the target it's on. It is now 30. However, it is still, in my opinion, the second best ability in the entire game. So the way it works is you have to place an orb on a target. You must have line of sight of that target and you cannot place it through an enemy barrier. When it is placed on them, when they're in a 40 meter range, it will travel to them extremely quickly at a rate of 120 meters per second. You only have one, but it doesn't have any cooldown of any sort. So it is completely fine to be moving it around whenever you see fit, which will be very important. If you cannot see that target, 
because they are blocked by a wall after three seconds of that where you haven't uh, remade line of sight of them the discord orb will return to you however even though you cannot place it through a barrier if you discord someone and then a barrier is between you two it counts as having line of sight so it will not disappear uh, through that it's also worth noting that anything that makes a target invulnerable both makes you unable to place discord on them and will remove any discord that they have some significant examples of this that you might not expect are sombra when she uses her translocator she will disappear for just a moment and be invulnerable and that will cleanse discord orb zarya bubble will also remove it as well as a few other things like maze icicle or reaper's wraith form so now that we've talked about just exactly what it does let's look at how to use it so one thing important to note is that it can function much like dominoes do so let's say hypothetically you want to kill the enemy mercy as fast as possible and you place your discord on her and then your team is trying to kill her but the enemy has tanks and they have shields and all and a roadhog that your team just can't run through in order to get on that mercy because you're you might be playing a more death ball oriented comp or the mercy might be a little bit better hidden your team will have to kill those tanks and then kill like a dps protecting her before they can get to that mercy and then take her down but because you discorded her she did die 30 percent faster than she otherwise would have now let's say you use discord a little bit differently so you see your team is killing the tanks first even though you know mercy ideally is a higher priority target so you discord that person and then they die 30 percent faster and because your team killed that target 30 percent faster that means they will move on to the next target sooner than they would have been and then if you discord that next tank that they're going to move on to then that person will be targeted 30 percent faster and they'll die 30 percent faster meaning that they will die 60 percent faster that's not how the numbers actually work but that's just kind of the way i can describe it to kind of show you what's happening and then that stacks onto every single person you discord so it's not just 30 percent more uh, makes one person die 30 percent faster you can make their whole team if you use discord perfectly which will be putting it on the first person who dies then the second and then the third etc you can make their team die more than twice as quickly than they otherwise would have so it's very important that you are placing discord orb on the target that your team is most likely to focus first not who you want to die first and then you change it to whoever your team is focusing first if they are not focusing that person and you need to be able to dynamically rotate it as your number one priority throughout a fight to whoever your team is dealing the most damage to and you can look at this in your own gameplay whether live or in vod review to see okay i discorded this person did they die first if they didn't die first was it because of something i should have foreseen or no should i be focusing more on discord and if you change that about your gameplay as in yana that is one of the most important and impactful changes you can make and it's very very subtle because the game will not tell you anything about whether or not you're using it well 
it gives you offensive assists, but there's no distinction between getting Discord on them just as they die or getting Discord on them before they even start taking damage. It will not track how much damage Discord has dealt. It will not give you hit markers. So you have to be very consciously aware of what it does because the game won't reward you for using it. So that's the general way you want to be using Discord is putting it on whoever your team is focusing. However, there are exceptions to this rule. The number one exception is that if you are being pressured, if you are being dove on by an enemy Tracer, Genji, Winston, Doomfist, anyone who is up in your face trying to kill you, you always want to use Discord on them to try to defend yourself. Because if you do so, that will give you a fighting chance to either kill them or force them to back off. It's much more important that you stay alive in this situation. Uh, the next exception, which is secondary to that one, is if you are against a Farah or a Farah Mercy. If you are and your team has reasonable means to kill that Farah or the Mercy and the Farah Mercy with like a McCree, a soldier, something like that, then you want to leave Discord on that Farah, even if it's not who your team is focusing, because it will give your hitscan the ability to potentially kill them or at the very least force them back. And if you have to choose between Farah or Mercy, you will almost always want to put Discord on the Mercy if she is at all exposed. So now that's the kind of mind aspect of using it, the decision making, the macro aspect. Let's look at how we can mechanically use it better, because it is important to recognize that it has no cooldown and you need to be using it quite a lot. And the faster you can use it, the better you can use it overall. We'll give you more options and more opportunities. So the E keybind by default is very bad at this because anytime you press the E key, you are going to have to move a finger off of the D key over to the E key. Now that in and of itself takes time. It's not a huge amount of time, but it does take time. So that will delay your discord press very slightly. It also means that while you're pressing the discord key, you cannot hit the D key, which means you will be unable to move to the right, which could potentially make you easier to kill. For most abilities, that's not really significant because you don't use it nearly as frequently, so it's fine. However, with discord, you can see a massive difference if you change this. So. If you have a mouse that has side buttons on it, I highly recommend you put Discord Orb on your right mouse button and you put alternate fire on one of those mouse buttons. If you cannot work with that, then I'd recommend putting Discord Orb on the side mouse button and leaving alt fire on your right mouse button. If you don't have a mouse that has any spare buttons, you could potentially try using mouse wheel being pressed down, middle mouse button, as your alternate fire and Discord Orb as your right click. If you don't have any way to put it on your mouse, then at the very least, I'd recommend that you either put Discord Orb on Shift and Harmony on E, or you put uh, Alternate Fire on Shift and Harmony or Money. Because, of course, if you're charging Alternate Fire on E, you cannot have that keybind ever, because if you're pressing it down, you will be unable to move to the right, which is quite problematic. So it's so important that to do this, because Discord Orb is really more of an Alternate Fire than as Alternate Fire is. You will use it in conjunction with his left click, like Soldier does with his right click, like Anna does with his scope. You will Discord someone and then start shooting them every single time. In addition, there are technique you can there's a technique you can do called discord spamming that is only really usable if you have it 
on a button that is not E. So if you're shooting a Winston bubble, if you're shooting a Reinhardt shield, if you're shooting any type of barrier like that, you can just be spamming the Discord button as fast as you can so that the instant that barrier goes down, they are immediately Discorded. That can very often make the difference between that tank dying and that tank being fine, getting healed up and charging the enemy's support alt economy. You can also use this technique whenever you're poking at a choke point that the enemy is going to be coming through. You can be spamming the discord so that whoever comes through the choke, the first person your team sees will be discorded. And that, of course, the sooner you discord someone because it does nothing while it's not placed, it's just inherently better. Okay, that's a lot of information. <laughs> There's a lot to give. Yeah, so definitely not as simple as uh, some would think. But uh, let's go ahead and move on to Orb of Harmony. All right, so Orb of Harmony is deceptively not nearly as good as it seems because he is a support, he's a healer, so you think that's going to be one of his primary duties is using that. However, it is significantly weaker than any of the healing it has to offer. However, it's still very important that you use it correctly. Don't get me wrong at all. However, it does 30 HP per second, which is half of what Mercy does. It travels in the, it functions in the same way as Discord Orb when you're placing it. It follows the same line of sight rules, the same rules with range, and when they leave line of sight, it dissipates after three seconds. However, it's important to note, you can place Harmony Orb through enemy barriers. It does not have that restriction. And of course, you can move it around as much as you want, and there's really no penalty for that. So the first and most important part of using Harmony Orb properly is knowing the priority. Who needs it most? So your number one priority, assuming everyone is damaged and needs healing and is at risk of dying in some way, is going to be your other healer. Because Zenyatta does not do very much healing, if you can keep your other healer alive with Harmony Orb, you will be healing your team way more than you would if you just used Harmony Orb. That's the reason why I keep mentioning how his healing is not very much, because you need to realize that keeping your other healer alive is the best way to heal your team. Also, just they're the only person that can heal you and keep you alive. So if if they are alive and you heal them, they can heal you. And that's basically why double support has been meta since Overwatch has existed. It's not because one character is not capable of providing enough healing for their entire team. It's because if you just have one healer, who heals the healer? No one. And they they just are very easy to kill as a result of that. So you need at least two. Next on the priority list is going to be any squishy hero, most almost exclusively DPS heroes that are far away from your team. That is going to be Genji, Tracer on the back line that are flanking around. It's going to be a Hanzo or a McCree uh, hunkered down on the high ground. Anyone who is separated from your team in some way that is, of course, at risk of taking damage or at risk of dying or something like that because they will not be easy for any of your other healers to get. They will be too far away for your Lucio or Mercy to heal. And if you have an Ana, then it will be a usually a lot of work for the Ana to either shoot around your tanks to hit the Mercy, excuse me, the Genji or Tracer on the back line, or the turning around to catch a McCree or whomever on the high ground when they are providing the vast majority of healing for your team. The next priority is going to be any other squishy hero that is not separated from your team, which is usually going to be like a soldier behind a Reinhardt shield, a junk rat, basically anyone else, because unlike a tank, if you leave them without healing, 
when they are taking damage for just an extra half second, they can very realistically die. If you see your McCree getting hit, get hit by one far rocket, the difference between turning and immediately harmony orbing them and trying to like shoot the far a couple more times and then turning over to heal them could very easily be his death because he could die if you don't harmony orb him instantly to just splash from the next far rocket or maybe one McCree shot or maybe just a burst from soldier's rifle. But if you turn to heal him instantly, he might stay alive and he will be better at taking out whoever on the enemy team than you will be, especially with your orb of discord. That is one of the bigger impacts you can make on Zenyatta is preventing one of your teammates from getting picked off. Always remember that. Also, compared to tanks, which I'm getting into now, which are the last priority, it takes a lot less time to actively top them off. If you have a 400 HP hero that has 100 HP remaining, it will take 10 seconds to top them off. If you have a 200 HP hero at 1 HP, it will take less time to bring them to full health. And that, of course, gets more dramatic if you have something like a D.Va at 1 HP. It will take so long to heal them up to the point where they can fight that it's probably a better investment to heal up one of your DPS who could join the fight after just a few seconds. Um, and then, of course... The tanks are going to be a more f uh, um, bigger focus on your Mercy or your Anna, uh, even your Lucio. So you don't need to worry as much about them because if they are taking significant damage, you're basically just, you know, peeing in the ocean. You're not really helping too much and they will be devoted to that. And then finally, they're not going to die just out of nowhere. They have giant shields to protect themselves. They have huge health bars. Usually DPS heroes do not have that same pool of survivability. Another important thing that I only learned about through watching videos is a lot of people have a bad habit with Harmony Orb in particular where they aren't fluid with it. And let me explain exactly what I mean by that. If you look over to the side and then Harmony Orb and then wait to make sure it went through and then turn back and then start shooting, you've just wasted like two to three seconds where you weren't really doing anything. And I see a lot of Zenyatta players do that, where they they move over to the person and then they linger their cursor there for a long time, place in harmony before they come back. You need to make sure it's in like a fluid arc motion where you move over to the side, place it, and then you're already moving back. You just need to kind of trust that it hits. And you can spam the key if that helps you hit it. But it is a very forgiving hitbox. You shouldn't really be missing that. And it's important whenever you're transferring that you don't sacrifice time where you could be doing more important things. So you need to be very quick about it. Okay. Now, so you mentioned that your know, top healing priority is the healer, correct? Yes, absolutely. Uh, that, all right. So would you recommend that, let's say everybody's topped off, everybody's 100% healed, just putting the, uh, the Harmony Orb on the healer would be a good idea? I'm glad you brought that up. Not necessarily because your fellow healer is going to be hiding. So assuming no one is taking damage, you want to Harmony Orb the person that is most likely to start taking damage first. And that is going to be one of two people. If you have like a Winston or someone who is, you know, going to be diving into the enemy team, they are almost certainly going to be the first one to take damage. So you can go ahead and leave it on them passively. If you have someone who is going to be split from your team, as I mentioned at the number two priority, that is who I would recommend leaving it on. And that's who it's going to be 90% of the time. It's going to be your McCree on the high ground or your tracer that's flanking around because they can even say, I know I have Harmony Orb, so I'm going to play a bit more aggressively and I'm going to I'm going to go for a bit more and get more value out of my character because I know I'm going to be getting healed throughout it. All right. Great. Thanks for clearing that up. 
Uh, let's move on to Transcendence. What can we, you tell us about Transcendence? Ooh, Transcendence is one broke ability. I love it. It heals for 300 health per second. That is very obviously insane. It, it's almost an effective invulnerability for anyone inside unless they get one shot killed or they have some type of healing debuff on them from Anna's grenade. Uh, it has a 10 meter range and lasts for six seconds. It's very much kind of like a Lucio amp it up on steroids. If you think about it that way, it's got the same range and double that duration. Also, you turn into Zoomiata, moving at 11 meters per second, which is double the normal movement speed in Overwatch. So you want to be sure that you are taking advantage of that speed to position yourself optimally. So now let's get into how we actually use Transcendence because that is extremely important. So before I get into that, I'll just say Transcendence is an ultimate. And like any other ultimate, how do we get value from it? It's not killing people. It's not saving people's lives. It's not contesting the payload usually. The only real ways you can truly get value from an ultimate is in one of two ways. One, it either wins you the fight. Or two, it forces the enemy to use ultimates so that they don't lose the fight. If you do one of those two things with your ultimate, you got value or at least partial value. So that's all you really need to be looking for at a basic level. If you ever think using transcendence or any ultimate will just win you that fight, just use it. It doesn't matter anything else. That goes for any ultimate in the game. That being said, here are the general rules that will help you better, more consistently win fights with it. So Transcendence is one of the very few defensive ultimates in the game. And defensive ultimates are inherently extremely powerful for this reason. Because what they do is they counter an enemy alt as well as giving an added bonus. So the enemy uses Dragon Blade, Graviton Surge, Tactical Visor, any of those extremely powerful ultimates that can kill your entire team if left unchecked, they will be using that, their, your, their team will be more aggressive because they know they have that advantage, and then suddenly you hit Q, you pop Transcendence, and that ultimate doesn't exist anymore. It doesn't do anything. Unless they counter your transcendence in some way, it's like it's not even there. And now your team on top of that has a similarly powerful ult. So you deleted an enemy in, like impactful ultimate and then gave it to your team. That's why using it defensively is the most powerful way you can use it because it inherently gets value from canceling an enemy ultimate and gives your team a similar power benefit. So you'll wait for the enemy to use one of those powerful ultimates uh, anything you think you can negate with transcendence that will leave that will kill your team if left unchecked, and then your team can push in aggressively with that advantage and wipe them up. That being said, there are times to use it aggressively because you do get that active bonus as well, and that's usually going to be in one of a few cases. Obviously, if you think it'll win you the fight, you do it. But otherwise, you'll generally, if you're going to use an aggressive trance, you will go into the fight knowing you're going to be using it. You will think, I'm going into this fight, I'm going to transcendence because maybe it is, if I win this fight, the round is over, or if I lose this fight, the round is over, so I'm just going to be, I, I, I should just use it. And then you'll position more aggressively, and you'll wait for your team to be engaged and fighting and actively taking damage. Wait as long as possible before one of your teammates dies, and then you pop it. 
you want to make sure that you are as engaged as possible because if you use it too early, one, you'll be limiting the effectiveness because it only lasts so long. And number two, you, you the enemy team will be able to disengage and not be as caught out as they would have been if they thought one of your teammates were about to die. It's also very important to do fractions. So when you transcendence, you are basically removing yourself from the fight. That is the downside of the ultimate. You, outside of the healing, are not participating. So if you have six people alive on your team and use transcendence, you are removing one-sixth of your team from the fight for six seconds to make the rest of your team nearly invulnerable for that period. And that's pretty good. That's really good, actually. (laughs) However, if you have two people alive on your team, you're removing half your team to make one person nearly invulnerable. And that's that's not actually very good. Uh, I would rather just have two people most of the time. So it's important to recognize the more people that are alive on your team at the moment, the more people who are nearby for transcendence, the inherently higher the value of it is. So now that we've discussed how to use it, uh, excuse me, when to use it, now let's look at how to use it. So knowing how to move and where to position during transcendence is very important. You do not want to lead the charge with transcendence like a lot of people do. You don't push forward so your team follows you. You want to support your team and make sure that if they go in, they are covered. Because if you stay 10 meters, maybe 8 meters behind whoever's forward most in your team, you're making sure the rest of your team has ample space to benefit from your aura. So there's no need to actually push out. You can tell your team in voice chat to push up because you have trance if you want, but usually just pushing forward past your team of transcendence is just going to get your backline killed, which is something that should never happen. Another thing you should be doing is making sure that you are turning around a lot to make sure that no one on your team is outside of transcendence and currently dying. Because at any point, since you move so quickly, you can move over to them, heal them up to full almost instantly. So you need to make sure you have that awareness that you are able to do that and reprioritize it. It's also extremely important that when transcendence ends, you don't just immediately die afterwards. Because if you just stay where you were at the end of transcendence, you'll end up in the middle of your entire team, on the middle of the point or the objective or whatever, with no cover, and you will just die if the enemy team hasn't lost the fight already. So almost every single time, you're going to want to use the last one second of that double speed to move backwards towards a corner or a nice position where your team is in between you and the enemy, like we're going to talk about in a second, so that you can actually survive and be effective after transcendence ends. You don't want to remove one-sixth of your team from the fight permanently. You just want it for that six seconds, you know? Another important thing to note are the way body blocking mechanics work for Zenyatta. You are treated as a character model, not as terrain. So you cannot block explosions like Diva's Ultimate or Earth Shatter or anything like that. However, you can block projectiles and bullets. So if you go right up in the face of a McCree when he is high high nooning and you and you are using transcendence, if he cannot shoot your teammates through you, his bullets will hit you and they will be blocked. Same thing with Soldier's Tactical Visor. Let's say your entire team gets purpled when Soldier is using Tactical Visor. If you go right up in his face, he can't actually target any of his teammates around you and he will be shooting you with the Tactical Visor. But of course, you cannot block Diva Bomb. You cannot block anything like Graviton Surge. It will just go through you. Okay, yeah. When you say purple, just to clarify, you mean uh, your teammates get hit by Anna's grenade. Anna's grenade, so they're unable to be healed. Correct. Okay, well, let's move on to movement and positioning. 
Absolutely. So positioning and movement are two extremely subtle things that make a huge difference in a gameplay, especially on a very immobile character like Zenyatta. So the first core of positioning is balancing the act of positioning to stay alive and the act of positioning to maximize your effectiveness. Always remember that positioning to stay alive is not your goal. You stay alive so that you can help your team win the team fight. And if you are ever limiting your effectiveness simply to stay alive, it kind of defeats its own purpose. So how can we generally maximize this? Well, usually you're going to want to be about 15 to 20 meters behind the frontmost member of your team. And if your team is running a Winston as that frontmost member, that'll be before they jump in. So if you're positioned back there, that will allow you to still get value out of all of your orbs and out of your weapon without putting you in direct harm way. Because if the enemy wants to dive at you, they will either have to go a long distance through your team or take a long flanking route around, both of which makes it harder to kill you. It's worth noting on Zenyatta that high ground is significantly less effective than it is for something like a soldier in McCree. If your entire team, or at least the bulk of your team, is holding high ground, it's great to be there. However, if you are just holding there alone, it is not very effective because Zenyatta has a projectile weapon. If you have a hitscan weapon when you are firing down on the high ground, it makes it much easier to hit them and it actually makes their head hitbox larger relative to the rest of their hitbox. However, if you are firing a projectile weapon at someone that is on an even field with you, relative to you, they can move left or they can move right. They can jump, but that's not very effective because you can read their jump and it doesn't move them up nearly as much. Whereas if you're shooting them on the high ground, they can move forward, they can move backwards, they can move forward to the left, forward to the right, and any other combination of movement. And when you have to lead them, firing on them from an elevated position makes it much more difficult to predict where they're going to be in the near future. So I generally recommend staying on the low ground unless your team is holding high ground as a group. The other aspects of your positioning will involve positioning relative to the map. So you want to make sure that your team is in between you and the enemy. You Even if you're 15 to 20 meters behind uh, away from your team, if the enemy team can get to you before going through your team, that defeats the whole purpose of it. So make sure they're always in between you and the enemy. The other thing is you don't want to see the entire enemy team. You want to minimize how much the enemy team can see you. So you want to position yourself so that there is a barrier in between you and most of the enemy team. All you want to be able to see is just enough to be able to do your job. So if you're defending, you might want to see only the choke point the enemy team will be coming through. Or if you're attacking, you want to make sure that you will only be seeing the enemy's front line until you can afford to position more aggressively, potentially later in the fight. You also want to use corners to your advantage. As a support player, all you are at your core is a very small, very frightened child. And corners and walls and terrain, they're not just corners, they're teddy bears. And you need to hug your teddy bear because they will keep you safe from the scary red men. They are not Rhine shields, they are not Winston bubbles, they won't go away, they won't desert you, they will be there. Corners will be there for you, so hug them and they will keep you safe. What this allows you to do in game talk, outside of that silly metaphor, is if you start taking damage, if you're hugging a corner, you are able to simply take one step to the side and you will break line of sight of whoever was attacking you, thus keeping you safe. If you're out in the open, whenever you start taking damage, you either have to just stay out in the open and try to move evasively, or you have to walk in a straight line a long distance to get behind a wall and that will almost always get you killed. So you want to optimize your positioning by making sure you're always near a corner that you can duck behind.
Next in the movement and positioning, we have macro movement. And macro movement is basically the moving with the intent to go somewhere, moving from point A to point B. This is something you generally want to minimize on Zenyatta as he is extremely slow, has a big hitbox, and is very easy to kill. However, you kind of treat that 15 to 20 meter as a loose tether. So if you see your team is getting coming too close to you because they're backing up or is pushing forward uh, past your effective range, you need to move with them and seek a new position as they're moving. However, you don't want to do this unless you absolutely have to. You generally want to stay as sedentary as possible. Now, another part of staying alive is micro movement, which is moving without trying to go anywhere. It's simply moving to try and stay alive to dodge bullets. What you will want to do is first off, not jump. Jumping is not a very effective way to stay alive because, well, the instant you jump, it will make you harder to hit. It puts you on this set trajectory that makes it much easier for to shoot. And even if the people you're playing against don't know this, they kind of subconsciously pick up on it if they play enough. Whereas if you're on the ground, you can change your momentum back and forth instant with basically zero inertia. So what you want to do is use those A and D keys to move back and forth in an erratic way so that it's not predictable because people do not have perfect reaction time. They will not be able to hit you as frequently. This will work against any tier of player and is the most effective way to move to evade fire. In fact, I want you to try this in your games. If you ever are face to face with a Widowmaker, your instinct is to run behind a wall so they can't shoot you. But what I want you to do, just look straight at them and then just AD really quickly in a slightly erratic manner and they will not be able to hit you hardly at all. I have done this to Kefri on ladder a couple times where I just stare right at him and move and he tries to headshot me like five times and can't do it because it's nearly impossible to predict movement uh, when they go that fast. A little tip to practice this and, and get it in sync with another technique I talked about, which is clicking once per shot, is whenever you're in spawn room in between rounds, just put a spray on the wall and then practice moving back and forth erratically while left clicking once per shot on your spray. And this will allow you to get that muscle memory so it becomes automatic and you don't have to think about it. Because once you do that, that will make you much more effective in combat. All right. Awesome. Um, so th that's a lot to digest, but great information. Uh, can we move on to strengths and weaknesses? Absolutely. So Zenyatta is a character defined by strengths and weaknesses. He is the biggest glass cannon in the entire game. By himself, he does not not really strong as a support hero. However, with a team, he is actually the highest damaging character in the game other than maybe Bastion, because in addition to the respectable DPS he outputs, his Discorder increases his entire team's damage by 30% when used properly. So he is just incredibly powerful at outputting damage. That is his primary strength. His secondary strengths will be through the utility of his ultimate. He is extremely good at swinging fights with that ultimate. It's one of the most powerful ultimates in the game, because I talked about before. Using it defensively, it kind of eats an enemy ult and gives you an equally, if not more, powerful ult. So Zenyatta, for having a defensive ult, probably has the best one in the game, especially now that Lucio's can get interrupted and lost very easily. Another huge strength he has is that he is very good at dealing with flankers relative to the other supports. He and Lucio are both good at dealing with Tracer and Genji to an extent. They still have an advantage, but a well-played Zenyatta or Lucio can both 
take out a Tracer or Genji or at least prevent them from getting kills on your back line. That being said, Zenyatta is very defined by his weaknesses as well. As a glass cannon, he can die to just about anything. He doesn't have the lowest HP pool in the game, but he is not far off and he has an extremely large hitbox. If you compare hitting him to a character like Anna or Mercy, he is like three times easier to hit because he is this big ball. He also does not have any self-healing tools for like burst healing. He has no mobility like Mercy. So he is basically just stuck. If he is in a bad position, he will just fall over immediately. So you you have to be very careful about dying because he can get killed very easily. In addition to that, since his HP pool is primarily shields, he basically instantly dies to Sombra, which is not very good at all. Other weaknesses he have uh, are, again, related to his mobility. He is somewhat weak against a team that offers a lot of trash damage. And what trash damage is, is something like Junkrat, Farah, maybe uh, an Orisa, things that are just outputting a lot of damage into an area because he has no tools to really cross that. And he relies on his team to escort him through choke points where Junkrat is spamming or there is really nothing he can do about it. He is also fairly weak against snipers in general because he does have a very big head hitbox and he has very little mobility. However, he does have the ability to counterplay with a couple well-placed shots or an orb volley. That being said, I say his strengths far outweigh his weaknesses. His main weakness in the, the current meta is that he has to compete with Lucio and it's hard to compete with Lucio because speed boost is the most powerful ability in the game, in my opinion, other than maybe current res. So generally you have to decide between picking one or the other of them, at least that top level play. So that being said, that transitioned nicely into when do you pick Zenyatta? When do you not pick him? Well, since there are only four healers and they, they're fairly generic in what they can do, there aren't too many situations where you can't play Zenyatta or too many situations where you must play Zenyatta. That being said, he is fairly good at dealing with Far with Discord Orb. So if your team's struggling with a Far, but you have a hit scan, Discord Orb is very good at that. If your team is poking a lot, Zenyatta is fairly good at that. If your team is diving on a back target that you can put Discord on, he's fairly good with that. So those are all good times to pick him. However, it mostly deals with synergy. If you have a Mercy and you don't need a Lucio at the current moment, that is when you pick Zenyatta. If you do not have a Mercy on your team or you need a Lucio, that is basically when you don't pick him. He's not particularly strong or weak on any map in the pool. You just have to be careful with picking him because your team may lack something they need more if you if you pick Zenyatta. So you have to be careful with that. Okay. Let's talk about some common mistakes you see with Zenyatta players. Absolutely. So the most common mistake I see with Zenyatta players overall is a misuse of Discord Orb. And it's kind of Blizzard's fault because the game does not tell you that Discord Orb does anything at all. If you rely purely on the oral and tactile feedback that Discord Orb gives, you would think that Discord Orb literally does absolutely nothing. The game doesn't track how much damage it does. It doesn't track, it doesn't give you hit markers. It doesn't give you anything at all. But if you're aware of how much it does, it's extremely important to use it correctly. It should be your number one priority. That is just a massive mistake a lot of Zen players use because if you're not using Discord Orb properly, you will be 
just not getting value from him at all. If, you're, if you can't get value of Discord, you just shouldn't play Zenyatta. Another thing with, with Harmony Orb is I see people focusing on Harmony Orb way too much and they spend a lot of time where they could be shooting micromanaging Harmony Orb or maybe sitting around a corner like they're Anna or Mercy and just harmonying their team while trying to stay alive and heal. That's also something you shouldn't be doing because he does rely on amplifying his team's damage and dealing damage to get his primary amount of value. Next, I already talked about this a bit, but I see a huge issue with a lot of Zenyatta players where they hold down primary fire. And it's very obvious when I review their gameplay that they do this because it does one of two things. One, you'll see instances where they shoot and then they flick past their target and then shoot and then they shoot again and then flick past their target. Whereas if they were left clicking once per shot, all of their flicks would have been in sync with their shots and they would have been able to hit them. But because they're holding it down, they just aren't in sync. And even though their aim is fine, they just can't hit anything. In addition to that, when you're holding down left mouse button, it becomes very easy to just autopilot with it. And you don't build any muscle memory to actually use his weapon. So people will just not be actively aiming it at all because they, they just hold it down and just kind of point it towards the enemy and whatever hits, hits. Uh, on the other side of that, I see a lot of people using Altfire too much because unlike Discord or Altfire gives you all the feedback in the world. It feels so good when you actually land that Altfire shot that you don't really notice that it doesn't output nearly as much damage as just left clicking. You should not be just alt firing during a fight almost exclusively. You should be left clicking quite a bit. And if you just use alt fire, you'll find yourself, your team just not killing people as much as they should be because you won't be using discord as much. You won't be outputting as much damage and you may find your teammates dying because you couldn't put harmony orb on them in time. So you always want to make sure that you are not overusing alt fire because that is far more penalizing to you than under using alt fire. Another huge mistake is staying out in the open. If you are not hugging corners on Zenyatta, you are at any moment just one or two seconds away from death because you start taking damage and you realize you need to hide behind a wall in order to stay alive. But if you have to walk across an open area to get there, you become the easiest thing to hit in the game, which is someone walking in a straight line. So if you're just hugging a corner, you can duck behind the wall, stop taking damage. So that, that is a huge mistake Zenyatta players make because it causes them to die way too early in a team fight without netting them any benefit. This is a very small, subtle thing that's hard to realize, but is extraordinarily important. Uh, another and lastly is jumping too much. This is basically true for almost every hero in the game. I see people jumping way too much. It makes you easier to shoot. It lowers your effective reaction time because let's say you jump and then Tracer throws a pulse bomb towards you and it lands near your feet to the right as you just jump to the right. Well, if you were on the ground, you could react to that and just move away from it and it won't kill you. However, because you jumped, you have to wait until you hit the ground in order to start moving away from it and you die. I'm sure almost everyone listening has had that happen to them. The same thing goes for if you jump and then suddenly you see a junk rat bomb coming towards the area you jump towards. You won't be able to dodge it. So you have to be very, very careful about jumping too much, especially against hit scan characters and Hanzo. Uh, I have been playing Hanzo quite a bit and I have noticed that a lot of players are jumping and I literally will just draw my bow. I'll wait for them to jump and then I'll just line up an easy shot and kill them. It works every time. People really need to be more careful about jumping. All right. Well, before we get into the final thoughts, any additional tips you want to give? Absolutely. I've got quite a few. So number one, this is a very advanced technique, but if you utilize it properly, it can make a huge difference when dealing with flankers. So 
With Zenyatta, while well, he does output a lot of DPS and fires very quickly, if you are patient with him, which is very fitting for his character, really, you can get a lot more value because he is a projectile character. He does rely on leading his targets and predicting where they will be. If you can wait for the perfect moment to fire one shot rather than just firing two shots uh, hoping they'll hit, you can be much more effective at dealing uh, with those enemies. So oftentimes, if you are fighting someone who's very close to you, you might want to just wait and just look at the way they're moving. And you can often find a pattern with the way they jump, with the way they strafe, and then just line up an easy headshot and kill them. That being said, you shouldn't just stand there and stare at them for two seconds, but you might want to focus on how they're moving. And then maybe if you notice, they're going to jump and like the moment I'm about to fire. So if I just don't fire, then they'll jump and I can shoot them twice before they hit the ground and it'll be easy. Uh, and there are also many ways to implement this technique in matchups, which I'm now going to talk about. Any Zenyatta player, you absolutely need to maximize your skill in these particular matchups against characters that will be diving you. Otherwise, no matter how good you are at everything else, you can be made just any other support player because they will kill you before you're allowed to do anything. The most common hero you will find yourself face up against is Tracer, and this is where shot delay becomes extremely important. With Tracer, it is extremely difficult to land any shots because she is extremely mobile. She has a lot of tools to heal herself by either getting away to a health pack or using recall, and she has a very small hitbox. So you can look for patterns in the way she'll move. I'll give you a hint. Almost every tracer, when they start shooting, will start walking in a straight line in one way or the other for the first half of their burst. So if you wait for them to begin shooting and then just lead them uh, as a head, that can immediately kill them. Also, knowing the orbs to kill that we mentioned earlier with Tracer, if you hit them twice or one headshot in a quick melee, that will be able to kill her. So you should be keeping track of how much damage she has taken uh, and know when you can just quick melee her. Because if you land that headshot on her and you wait until you can uh, register that before you quick melee, she will recall. And you burn recall, that's great, but otherwise the Tracer will be fine. Another thing is extraordinarily important on Tracer that your your circle strafing, your micro movement is very on point. Otherwise, she will be able to one clip you. If you ever walk in a straight line for even a second against Tracer, any decent Tracer will be able to burst you down almost immediately. Whereas if you are moving erratically back and forth very quickly, you will be able to survive burst against even top level Tracers. And if you can buy yourself just a few extra seconds against Tracer, that's the time you need in order to land that key headshot on her. Next, the other most common hero you'll be dealing with in terms of flankers is Genji. And with Genji, the way you will be firing at him will be heavily based around his jumps. So you can fire at him as frequently as possible, but you'll notice you'll be missing a lot of shots because he has so much aerial mobility and horizontal mobility, depending on whether he's jumping uh, or if he's on the ground. So if you notice a very jump-happy Genji, which almost all Genjis are, the times when he is at his least mobile are when he is reaching the apex of his double jump and just before he lands. So if you are fighting a Genji and he's jumping, you might want to hold off on shooting until he gets to the apex of his double jump and then shoot him again right before he lands. If if you lead these shots properly, you should be able to just headshot him twice immediately. Uh, the other part of dealing with Genji's kit is his deflect. So his deflect is very dangerous if you aren't careful because he can use it to kill you. So another reason to kind of delay your shots is so you don't accidentally shoot twice into deflect. 
the instinct a lot of players have whenever they see Genji's deflect is charging up ult fire because that seems like the right thing to do. However, if you charge your ult fire in this situation, he will see it and he will make sure to be moving as evasively as possible right when his deflect is ending because he knows that's when you're going to release it. He'll probably dash through you or he'll jump above your head and it is nearly impossible no matter how good you are with ult fire to land a significant number of orbs on him as he is doing this. So I, I recommend if Genji's deflect just Take a moment, place your orbs wherever they need to be, maybe reload, and then try to line up left clicks on him for the instant he comes out. So that way, if you mistime it, you don't instantly die. And if you, you time it right, you'll still get one orb on his head because you probably wouldn't get anything else with alt fire. And of course, it will also make your hurt box slightly harder to headshot and slightly harder to hit in general. The next part of Genji is jumping. So I talked before about how jumping is generally bad. However, it is perfectly fine if you have something to dodge. Against Genji, he fires fairly slowly. So when he's throwing out his alt fires, you can actually jump right before he throws one and you will be able to land and move around before he's able to line up another free shot. So that's something I'll incorporate a lot against Genji is maybe the second time he throws his right click, I'll jump just before it and then I will either avoid getting headshotted and I'll hit my feet or he'll miss altogether. So that's that's how you deal best with Genji. Now let's move on to the other flank you have to deal with, who is significantly less popular for the most recent nerf, Doomfist. So Doomfist is the kill or be killed hero because if he is close to you and charging an ability, you are already dead. Uh, as Zenyatta against a Doomfist, the large part of the matchup is using your ears and keeping tabs on where he is before he gets to you and making sure you're maneuvering around terrain to prevent him from getting an ability on you. Because if he gets any ability on you, unless your teammate helps you, you're just dead. It doesn't matter if it's his E, his shift or his right click. If he lands one of those on you, he should be able to kill you. So if you're listening out for him and you can charge up an alt fire before he decides to dive you, you can kill him before he can kill you. Otherwise, you want to make sure you're discording him, calling him out whenever he is in your OOS and trying to stay out of his OOS as much as possible. As for his ultimate, there is basically nothing you can do outside of using corners to your advantage. If you hear him use his ultimate and you can find a doorway in particular, you can sit at it and then look at the ground for when that circle appears. And then if it's, you can maneuver around a wall one way or the other to, to block it. That is really the only way you can get out of it because you can't walk far enough to actually avoid it. And finally, the other hero that will be diving a lot, he's not a flanker, but Winston is extremely important to be able to deal with. So first off, a little tip you can do as he's jumping on you is using the way momentum works to your advantage. So almost any Winston player will jump and then try to land on you. This will boop you backwards. However, the way momentum works is if you're in the air, you lose momentum extraordinarily slowly. And if you're on the ground, you lose it almost instantly. So if you jump the instant before he lands on you, you will be sent backwards and carry all that momentum if you are holding back and he will actually be carried outside of his Tesla cannon range. So if you ever see Winston about to land on you, move away away from him and then hit the space bar to jump right uh, the right before he makes impact. It's a fairly generous window. So you want to jump, you know, uh, a bit earlier, because as long as you're in the air at all, even if you're on your way down, it will still give you a good bit of distance. The only thing, if you jump too late, you won't be able to get anything. Other part of Winston is it is very important 
if you get out of his range to be smashing his bubble as quickly as possible. Winston bubble is infinitely more effective if people treat it as not worth shooting. So if a Winston jumps on you and you can't shoot him, be shooting his bubble the entire time. Because if it goes down faster than he expects before he can get his jump back, that could be a dead Winston. Other parts of the matchup, as he's jumping in on you, you want to discord him as soon as possible and you want to be using left clicks aiming for his head as much as possible. You don't want to charge alt fire against him because he will be able to dodge that with his bubble. And as we mentioned before, you can do a lot more damage per second to his bubble if you are just left clicking. All right, great. Uh, thanks. That Actually, I did not know that about Winston. If you jump, you can uh, use that momentum against him. Well, kind of against yes. him because it, you know, it moves it's your way. It's especially important for Zenyatta, but this works on every hero if you want to apply it. Uh, with Mercy, however, if you hold space you jump you will lose the momentum the moment you start to angelic descent and float gotcha okay well any final thoughts before we wrap up no uh i think this went very well i've uh, a lot of wisdom share with zinyana he's a fairly unknown character i feel like he's very unoptimized among the community so hopefully this will change and people can do a lot better job of playing him to his extraordinarily high potential all right great well thanks for coming on and talking about zinyana if uh, you guys have any questions about what you just heard, feel free to uh, email us at contact2preparetoattack.com. We'll try to either get your question answered directly or in a Q&A episode. Uh, so, yes, yeah, just at this episode or any episode, you can always reach us at contact2preparetoattack.com. Well, you're a coach at Wawa's Bootcamp. Can you talk to us about that for a little Absolutely. bit? Absolutely. So Wawa's Bootcamp is a great server and a great community in general that offers free coaching from Grandmaster and higher players uh, that you simply have to ask for. The primary way we do it is via live VOD reviews on the wonderful website mayhem.gg. I am absolutely a coach on that website. And I actually have a drought of students right now for some reason. I've had quite a lack of people coming to me for coaching. So if you want coaching, on Zenyatta, Anna, Mercy, or Lucio, feel free to hit me up on Wawa's Bootcamp and we can make time for that. All right, great. And that they can get to Wawa's Bootcamp at discord.gg slash Wawa's Bootcamp. Absolutely. All right, great. And also Wawa's Bootcamp, uh, the coaches tend to use mayhem.gg uh, for uh, their, you know, as a coaching tool. Can you talk a little bit about Mayhem.gg? Yeah, absolutely. I love Mayhem.gg, but it, what, it at, what it is at its core is a watch together program where two people can watch the same video at the same time. However, it works much better than the standard watch together program out there and has also been tooled specifically for coaching. It gives you a lot of features like being able to draw on the screen and have both people see it. You can uh, pause and both people pause. You can rewind one second, five seconds, 20 seconds and all of that good stuff it even has built-in emote support that will appear on the screen which is nice but even beyond that as i said it is an extremely good watch together tool so if you, even if you just want to watch like a movie with your friends or you want to do some karaoke it works extremely well from that as it even has uh, webcam and voice support so its primary use is coaching but it's just a great service all around all right great and uh, as for me, you can find me on Mash Those Buttons. I am the host of Watchpoint Radio, me and Blaze and Bob. He's also another host on Prepare to Attack. And we release episodes every Wednesday. But we do record live on Tuesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Twitch. So switch.tv slash mash those buttons if you want to find us there. Uh, for the Watchpoint Radio, you can also follow us on Twitter if you want to keep up with what's going on with the show at 
twitter.com slash watchpoint radio. And if you want to follow Mashal's buttons, that's twitter.com slash MTB site. Uh, food, do you have any social media? How can people reach you? Uh, nope, no social media other than Discord. I uh, prefer not to be on those particular services. But if you want to message me on Discord, you can find me on Always Bootcamp or just uh, Foo, that is F O O, number sign 0999. All right, great. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, see what I'm up to, I am on twitter.com slash underscore ja underscore. That's underscore J-A-A underscore. Uh, we, uh, if you do enjoy the show, we definitely uh, hope that you take the time to rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever your platform of choice is. Uh, specifically on iTunes, though, if you leave a rating and a review uh, in the review, just leave what character you want to hear uh, about next in the next batch. And we will try to be our best to get those characters into the next batch. Like we'll take a tally of the votes and try to get the uh, those characters. And I actually, I know for batch one, Junkrat won, so that's why Junkrat was in batch two. Uh, he was actually supposed to be in batch three, but he was in batch two because he won. So, yeah, if if you if you have a specific character you want to hear about that hasn't been released yet, definitely let us know in the reviews on iTunes, and we will try to get that done. Before we finish up here, I would like to give a big thanks to Have Luck, Good Fun, uh, who created Sounds Like Overwatch, which is the theme for prepare to attack uh if i would highly suggest you check out have a good fun on youtube where he has a bunch of other music and videos where he takes sounds from games and actually turns them into music so uh once again big thanks to have luck good fun and thank you for creating sounds like overwatch and uh actually allowing us to use that as the show's theme and with that we are done here thanks a lot for listening and we will catch you on the next episode see you next time